0: Welcome to The Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? You desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is The Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher and welcome to another episode of The Cashflow Ninja have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to achieve investment and business success with bliss. My guest in this episode is Monica Sawyer. Monica is a blissful millionaire. She made her millions in real estate and is now on a mission to empower others to do the same the blissful way. She's been invigorating audiences to take their lives from mundane to magical for over a decade and has touched over 100 million lives through our many media appearances on stations like ABC, CBS, Fox, and The CW. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at info at to start the discussion to see if you're a good fit for our group. And if you're in the Philadelphia, Bucks County, and Southern New Jersey area, we are hosting a live investors meetup event every month in Newtown, Pennsylvania. For more information on the monthly event and information on how to join us at our next live event, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash events. MC Lobshire, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cash flow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cash flow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at your That's your ownbankingsystem.com. Monica, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, MC. I'm so excited to be here.
0: <laughs> yeah, so excited to connect again. We always have a fantastic time. I really enjoy our conversations. Um, I a great place for us to start would be if you could just share a little bit about your background and your journey with my
1: listeners. Yeah. So my, my journey began in real estate when I was three years old. <laughs> my dad was an immigrant to the United States from India, and he had heard that the key to wealth in the United States is real estate. So um, when I was three, they decided that they were going to start investing in real estate because they wanted to give me the very best life possible. So they saved all their nickels and dimes. You know, they came to this country with like $200 in their pocket. So they saved all their nickels and dimes and they bought their first rental property. And that's how the whole thing started. Fast forward um, 15 years, they paid for my college education through real estate. They paid for my wedding through real estate. They did the same for my two sisters. And then when I graduated from college, it was at a time when there was a economic slump. And I was having a hard time finding a job. And I remember being really scared. And just thinking, how was I ever going to make it? And one of the things as a young woman I knew is that as much as I wanted to get married and have a family, I didn't want to be completely dependent financially on a man. So I wanted to know that I could be independent. Um, And so I thought about real estate, but the, and even though I saw what it could do, right, I had also seen my dad struggle a lot. He had lots of stress around his properties, you know, tenant problems, mortgage problems, you know, all the things that we get scared about in real estate, my dad experienced. (laughs) And I did not want that kind of stress in my life. Um, And so my dad one day sat me down at the kitchen table and he said to me something that changed my life. He said, You know, Monica, everybody has financial problems, everybody has money issues do you want poor people money issues or do you want real money issues? And that was such a completely di- different perspective because I just thought rich people don't have any money issues, right? <laughs> They're just different. Um, and at that point I, re- I decided, you know what, if I'm going to have money issues anyways, I'm going to have rich people money issues. And I jumped headlong into real estate. Um, my first couple investments were a complete nightmare because I was following the experience of my dad. And then I decided that it wasn't going to be like this, right? For me, real estate was going to be a long term journey. So, if it was going to be in my life for a very long time, it needed to be a joyful experience for me. And so, I created systems and designed it so that it, it is now what I call blissful. And I know we'll talk about that in just a minute but it really supports the joy in my life and it's made me very wealthy. So the journey has been awesome. The results have been awesome. And um, that's why I want to encourage people to do that same thing now, but to create their real estate business in a blissful way.
0: Now, bliss is a very big part of your brand. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Yeah. Let's define that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So bliss is a deep sense of joy and contentment. And the confidence that you can emotionally handle anything that comes your way. So it's really about emotional mastery and emotional resilience. So then the next question I get from people all the time is, okay, so what does that have to do with real estate, right? Right. Warren Buffett says, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control your money. So if in fact bliss is about emotional mastery and emotional resilience, you can see the connection between creating bliss within yourself and in your life and managing a real estate business in a way that's going to be significantly more successful. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that does. It does. And it's it's such a powerful quote because I think a lot of folks too, they know about, yeah, I have to learn about money or get financially educated, right? Um, mm-hmm. And increase my financial education and learn about investing and so forth. And they have let's just say the academic education, but that big emotional IQ mm-hmm. increasing your emotional intelligence is a very big part of it that we don't think about, but it and drives it, it. It drives everything.
1: It totally does. And it's not something anybody really teaches. I mean, we talk about mindset and certainly mindset and heart set is what, you know, what I call kind of this emotional mastery. Those two are connected, But a lot of people talk about mindset and they completely neglect the fact that we have emotions, we have emotional reactions, we make emotional decisions, right? Right. Um, And that often does not serve us in our businesses. So I think it's very, very important for us to address that.
0: Absolutely. So you started on your real estate journey. Um, You learned through the hard school of Knox a couple of times. Um at what point did you start uh, seeing um, that you needed to develop and create certain structures and certain systems for yourself to flourish
1: in? Yes, I sold those first couple of properties, um, took my profit and was like, I am never gonna do that again. And then <laughs> I don't know how many people who are listening to me have been through that, right? Like I am never gonna do that again. Um, but it just kept pulling at me, you know, it was in my blood and I knew what was possible. So we had, we were living in a beautiful home and we were going to move to the next one. And I decided to try it again. But during that transition, I decided, so I like literally just kind of made a decision and create, started creating the processes from there. I looked at what hadn't worked in the couple of properties before that, Started to write down the problems that I wanted to fix, right? And then started to sort of put together processes that were going to help me through that. The thing is, we can't predict everything, which is why bliss is such an important thing, right? Because things still come up, challenges still come up. But I was now in the mindset of let's create a process for each of these pieces so that over time, I'm creating something that's really streamlined, duplicatable, and enjoyable.
0: And at the core of these processes um, is the infrastructure from which you make decisions. So, exactly whether, it, right. yeah, so whether it be uh, a checklist or a belief system or principles and so forth, um, is there is a s- certain specific uh, a set of principles and guidelines that you draw of uh, your decisions from within your business and within your real estate?
1: Yes, so there's an overlying structure that I live my life by, and my business is obviously a part of my life. <laughs> so there's this overlying structure, and then there's this the the specific structure of how I do my business. But let's just talk about the overlying structure. This is all about my core values. So when I re decided to go back into real estate, I did an exercise about what are my core values and how is this going to fit into my life. Why is that important? Because if you're pulling against your own core values or you're trying to do something that someone else says is a good idea, but you internally know is not a good idea for you, you're never going to find that space of like bliss, of contentment, of sort of this able to sort of relax into it and flow into it, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I decided on what my core values were and what kind of real estate business was going to work for me. Now, your listeners have looked at probably a lot of different kinds of businesses, right? And flip, there's wholesaling, there's notes, there's all sorts of stuff. For me, based on my core values, what really was going to work was buy and hold, right? Why was that? So I'm actually going to go through my values with you right now. They're on my desk. But so my values are my relationships, my personal development, adventure, joy, health, and time freedom. So if I were to do fix and flip or wholesaling, How many of those would actually be met? Certainly not time freedom. Right. (laughs) At least not in the beginning, right? Yep. The sense of adventure and joy, a lot of it is just the same old, same old, same old churn. This is just my perspective. Understand that everybody's going to have a different perspective and a different set of values. But as I started to build my business, every single time I go to make a decision, I run it through my value checklist. Is it going to support my relationships and give me the time freedom to spend time with the people that I love? Is it going to allow me to grow and learn and develop right because business is not for the faint of heart, but you don't want it to cause so much stress that it pulls you down right? Yeah. Um, does it allow some adventure? you know like for me, looking at houses is a adventure, right? What am I going to discover? So for me, and then joy, we've already talked about that, and my health. In other words, I don't want to be spending so much time, energy, and stress on something that it deteriorates my health. I develop my strategy from that. Now, when I do each of my purchase decisions, it's a very similar thing. When I buy a house, I run it through my values list. Do I feel safe going to that neighborhood? I manage the business. My husband doesn't. So there are going to be things like. Is this scary for me? Does it cause me stress? Um, does it deteriorate from my joy? So that's going to determine what kinds of neighborhoods I'm going to be in, what kind of sense I'm going to get, and what kinds of structures I need around my business to make it joyful for me. Did that make sense?
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. It's so true that... Uh, and just, it could be... I, I love the way that it, it. it's not like a list of like 25 points that you have to run through. It's very it's right to the core into the heart of what you're trying to accomplish and what's important for you and this way you get to um create your life and lead it by intention as you're as you're picking investments and adding to uh to your portfolio um so the the buy and hold strategy what um are, uh, what markets do you operate in and then at what stage did that become part of that um the system and the process, because of course you learn, you learn, and of course then you you find you find something that works. You keep building on it. At what stage did you start to accelerate that?
1: So the first couple of houses I made a huge amount of money on, um, and and one thing that I realized is that yes, I could buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell, but that was going that was a churn and burn strategy. I was making a lot of money. I was also leaving a lot of money on the table. The thing that I decided early is my husband and I made made an agreement. He was going to pay for our lifestyle. I was going to pay for the fun. And so, and part of the fun was the investing piece. So I knew that no matter what happened in my business, he was going to pay the bills. So I didn't need to make money that fast. I didn't need to do the churn and burn. I could take a longer vision around that. So after we sort of had that conversation, the next place that I bought and decided to rent out, I knew I had a 40-year vision on this. Now, was I able to retire much sooner than 40 years? Absolutely, right? The money came that wasn't the immediate focus. It was buying in really good areas that I understood that had proven appreciation. I knew the rents could cover my my expenses and that over time, this would create the kind of wealth that I wanted so that I could retire later in life. So, So that's kind of how the process went for me and why I chose buy and hold because I didn't need to be doing the hustle. And I don't want to. If I don't need to, I don't want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've kept everything close to home. We lived in the first few houses and then moved out and kept them as well. In 2009, I went shopping um, and bought a bunch of places then. But everything has been in my area probably within about 20 miles of my house. So this Silicon Valley's the you know, South Bay Area of San Francisco.
0: Very, very interesting. And what are you seeing currently in, in the market over there? Because um, what, w- every single market is different. So I'm always interested when I have guests on and they're operating in certain markets, what they're seeing and what the, what the market conditions are like. What are you seeing over there?
1: Yeah, I love this conversation because everybody, it's so different. And that, like, that's kind of, right? How can it be so different? But it really is. Um, so over here, we're seeing a slowdown. So we've seen a lot of appreciation um, where houses were snapped up, like they hit the market, they were snapped up within a day, like multiple offers, way over asking. Now what we're seeing is um, places are staying on the market 30 to 60 days. Um, Sellers are having to pay for section one stuff. So it's not like Everybody's like crazy going after anything. Um, There aren't as many multiple offers and they're going for asking or a little below asking. So we're definitely seeing a slowdown. Think that it's going to slow down a little bit more. I'm kind of keeping my money on the sidelines so I can go shopping, you know, in another six months to a year.
0: Yeah. So, th- and, and that's very, very interesting because that is something that I, that uh, a lot of people have spoken about over there in the real estate market and just mentioning it. So it's interesting that, uh, that it's a little bit on the slowdown. Um, let's talk about the management of it. So you've created systems and processes for this as well. Um, Uh, talk us a little bit through about how the the structure is set up for the management of the properties because there's several of them. So, um, and you don't want that to impede into your life as well, right?
1: Yeah. So this is the Monica secret sauce. (laughs) Um, I don't actually manage my properties, my tenants do. So I never move a tenant into one of my properties until we have a full conversation about this is their home They don't need a landlord breathing down their back. They need to manage it to to the same quality and standard that I've kept it, but they don't need to answer to me around it. So what ends up, so we have that full conversation. I vet out my tenants really, really well, so I'm always putting good people in. Um, We have that conversation. The first three or four times something goes wrong with the house, I train them on sort of what my expectations are about, what kinds of research they need to do, who they need to bring in and the quality of the work that it needs to be. And then after that, they just say, this thing happened, this is what I did, here's the receipt, I'm taking it on my rent and it's done. So pretty much after the first six months with any tenant, the only times I get calls from them is happy birthday. They give me raises each year because that's another thing that I set expectations. I'm going to raise your rent every single year. I'm going to base it based on market rents. You know, you can do the research and raise my, give me a raise, or I can do the research and ask you for a raise. You choose. And usually they'll give me a raise each year. So they kind of, they're completely autonomous. And I do an inspection every single year to make sure everything is okay. Like I deliver uh, like a new year's gift or something. So I'll go in and I do an inspection every single year. They know it's coming. Um, and that's just how I manage the property. So I deal with them very, very little.
0: You're listening to The Cash Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. Dave and his team at the Real Asset Investor have syndicated many successful real estate and ATM projects over the last decade. Now, his team has an exclusive opportunity for investors in the coal space. Do you want to be part of an energy project that takes conventional coal and cleans it up by extracting liquids while releasing almost zero emissions? The sale of these liquids can produce strong double digit cash flow and aggressive tax benefits against ordinary income, all while using America's number one most plentiful resource in a responsible, efficient manner. Now that's non-conventional. For more information on this exclusive opportunity, you can visit therealassetinvestor.com or contact the Real Asset Investor team at info at Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A-Realestate.com. You're listening to The Cash Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Is there a a certain size that you look for for these uh, properties, specific properties in, in that area as well that fits into your criteria?
1: Yeah, I do all executive homes. Okay. So I'm dealing with very, basically A-class properties, and usually the people that are in there are executives. Um, It's interesting to me, because I don't know why they don't buy houses, you know, with the amount that they're renting, but whatever, they usually stay five, seven, ten years. Wow. Yeah, it's been, it really is a very streamlined, easy business for me.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking, too, if you're in that business, because most likely these are all Silicon Valley executives, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess if they, they if you've got a certain time frame for a contract, let's just say you have a contract That's with Google right. or Facebook or so forth, then, yeah, you're probably going to just stay and, and rent for that contract. And if it renews, it renews, right? Um, That's
1: right. And what they'll often do is they often want to go back to where they came from. So they love the pay. But yeah. they don't necessarily feel like they can put, you know, $500,000 down in a house like this, right? Or three hundred dollars or whatever it works out to. So they'll pay the rent. They plan to just go back. But what ends up happening is their contracts get renewed or they get a new job that they get really excited about. What's also really interesting about doing it this way Executives have executive parties, so they have all the other executives come to their homes for dinner and stuff like that, so whenever I have a turnover, we've got other wives and other executives that have seen the place and are like, get me in touch with your real, your um, landlord immediately, so often I've re-rented the place 30 days before they even leave, and they get to be involved in what new paint color I choose. If I'm changing the carpets, what's the carpet going to look like? You know, obviously we need to keep it kind of neutral, but they get a feeling of it's their home. And I think that's why they stay longer too.
0: Yeah, I, that, I find that just so interesting because it's a different type of niche, right? Mm-hmm. That, that we've And especially that we've covered on the show. So I'm really enjoying this because that was my next question is, where do you get your... Prospects from your pro- prospective tenants because there's a certain pool where they come out of from right. It's a very specific one, so yes. that's go- that's one. Um, are there different other agencies that you work with and that you've built relationships with?
1: I've had I've worked with agencies in the past. Um, I don't find that I need to. I really just mm. don't do much marketing at all. The places are usually rented internally from referrals, pretty quickly. I think. My longest turnover was one that I did last year. I hadn't done any work on the place in 15 years, hadn't painted, hadn't done anything except clean carpets, and it really needed a freshen up. So it took me three weeks to freshen it up, um, and then they moved in. But I literally, my turnovers are four to to seven days. Wow. I never have real vacancies, you know?
0: That's that's quite incredible. Um, and the lease terms for these um, are these 12-month leases that then renew? Um.
1: 12 months, so month to month after that.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, one of the things that you do a- as well, and you have a phenomenal podcast, um, one of the top-rated shows on iTunes and on all other platforms. You've interviewed amazing people on your show and uh, amazing woman. Um, Thank as, you. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and um, what um, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from them? Because I, I like to sit on this side of it and I just, you know, soak it all up uh, with all the lessons. What are some of the biggest lessons and the biggest takeaways that you've had um, uh, from guests on your show and some of the biggest le- lessons that you've learned from doing your show?
1: Yeah, I love doing my show. It's called Real Estate Investing for Women. So it does have a women's focus, but um, about 50 of my, 50% of my guests are men. Um, and I think that a lot of times women, what they see in the world is that it's a man's world and that they don't really have a place for it, in it. And what I love about having men on the show is that you can see that we're all dealing with the same stuff, right? Women right. deal with it a little bit differently. And so the women, the powerful women that are on the show bring that perspective. What I've really learned is, is there are a million ways to make money in real estate. There's no perfect way. There's just a perfect way for you. And, and I've had an opportunity to look at so many of these different opportunities and make such amazing connections like with you, um, so that I can guide my listeners to the people that can help them to grow the business in the way that they want to. And I don't have to change my own strategy to um, really impact and improve other people's lives. So that's one thing. The other thing is there are two other really, really big things. The first one is everybody talks about mindset. I love that because I remember when I was initially studying real estate, nobody talked about real estate about mindset. Yeah, you know. Um, so now everybody's talking about that. The other thing that everybody talks about is to get a mentor, and. You know, I was a coach for many years and I was a coach when, co- when you know, having a mentor, having a coach was a bad word. Yeah. So people would make me sign releases saying that I couldn't talk about which companies I was working in or whatever, um, because nobody wanted you to know, right? Now people understand, you know, the president of the United States has mentors, <laughs> right? right? Everybody level has mentors, And that's what really speeds up your success and ensures success, right? Right. So that was one of the things that I've really heard a lot of that I'm so excited about because I believe in mentoring um, and there's so many different kinds of mentors out there also. And I really have gotten to experience the way people mentor, the way they support each other, the way people build communities. So those are some of the big takeaways I've gotten.
0: No, those are great. And there's just so many things to learn. Um, uh, just doing a show and putting a show together in communities and growth. So um, no, I've, I've enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed to see your progress and your success and, and try to learn from you uh, as well. So that's been fantastic. Um, and speaking of learning, one of the things that I've seen with very successful and wealthy people is that they're always learning. They're always studying. What are you currently learning? And uh, what are you currently studying?
1: <laughs> so um, I am in a transition in my business. So I've grown a multi-million dollar business and now and we've been completely focused on appreciation with a little bit of cash flow, but it's not cash flow enough to now retire us. So I've got the money to retire us, but I have a system. And so I'm switching things around slowly and learning about how to go from an appreciation-based business to a cash flow-based business. So that's really what I'm working on right now.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of different aspects to uh, a lot of different aspects to that. Um, but absolutely, and, and d- there's different plays for different markets, right? So mm-hmm. you were just saying too, especially in the market that you're in, there was a. It was a huge opportunity for appreciation, but now moving forward for the next phase in the coming years, you've got to have a, a, a more solid cash flow strategy.
1: That's exactly right. and And one thing I'm sure everybody knows is you're going to get. A really really good return on one of those strategies but usually not both so you're not going to get a lot of cash flow if you've got an appreciation strategy you're not going to get a lot of appreciation if you're getting you have a really good cash flow strategy right so right now it's about diversifying I still want to keep some in the appreciation I want to diversify to start upping my cash flow um, it's really quite a fun adventure, I'm lear- and that's another thing that I'm learning so much from my podcast, or what are the, all the options to do that? I'm talking to amazing people that are real good experts in cash flow without doing the hustle, so I'm learning about that, and lots of phone calls, lots of studying. It's really so much fun.
0: Now, our core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, um, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be?
1: Okay. So number one is bliss is your birthright. You can choose to live your bliss every single day. The second one is, do you want poor people money problems or rich people money problems? (laughs) It's your choice. (laughs) And you can mitigate the problem part of that. (laughs) So there's that one. And then, you know, really when you're building a business and building your life and building your relationships – Focus on your core values because your core values are going to be the compass for creating a sustainable business and a joyful life.
0: Very, very powerful. Monica, where can my listeners uh, reach out to you? Where can they follow you? And where can they uh, stay informed of all of of the projects that you're involved with?
1: Yeah, just go to blissfulinvestor.com and um, there you'll be able to see my podcast. You get a free download on my favorite strategy and sort of what I've done. I went, I started with $10,000. I'm worth several million now. So how did I do that? It's completely transparent. That's there. Um, So just, yeah, go to blissfulinvestor.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value. Always a pleasure to speak with you.
1: Ditto, I love our conversations, MC. Thank you for having me.
0: Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.